I invite you to hear these words from the book of Acts, beginning chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now this is a desert road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Kandaki, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and there was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to the chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you're reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a lamb, or like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb, silent before his shearer. So he does not open his mouth. And in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from him. From the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself, or is it someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down to the water. And Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more, and they went on their way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Atazus, and he was passing through the region. He proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Vicki and I were out with some friends uh, downtown Abilene, and uh, downtown Abilene was having a big car show, and there were several blocks of you know, old jalopies and souped-up Jeeps. Uh, I've been to a lot of car shows. I've not seen quite the four-wheel drive assortment that I see in West Texas. Back in Indiana, it's old jalopies, 1930s, but uh, all kinds of stuff. And uh, the folks we were with uh, are much more city-fied. They were looking at all this going, I never knew such a subculture even existed. And I said, well, yeah, yeah, it does. And it's an interesting subculture. All kinds of groups in the world, all kinds of groups. And 
Uh, there are times in our lives when we really want to be a part of some of those groups. Uh, I remember being in college years ago at Oklahoma Christian, and uh, I was a history and literature major, but I was minoring in business, which meant I had to take accounting one and two, which was, at least at that time and in that program, kind of the way in which the business department weeded out all the wimps. And uh, so it was a big deal, and I was, uh, I was determined I was not going to be weeded out. But I, and I knew that I needed to find some people in the business program, some fellow students who understood uh, and were kind of with it on the accounting thing. And I, so I, I was very blessed to be invited into a group of three or four other business students. And uh, we met three or four nights a week, every week through two semesters, working on accounting together. It's what saved me. But I was so grateful that they said, yes, come in. You can be a part of our group, even though you're not a business major. It was so, so good, so good. I remember uh, uh, that sense of longing to belong and, and belonging in weird ways, too. When I was in first grade, I'm sort of embarrassed to tell this, but I went to a, a one-room school, a two-room schoolhouse for my first grade year. Eight grades, two rooms, first through fourth grade, and fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade in the other room. And uh, this was in rural Missouri. It was the last year... It was the last year of the old country schools before we bust everybody into town. But uh, at recess, and recess for lunch was a full hour back then. You brought your own lunch, right? And, uh, and so at recess, we'd go down the hill, and uh, all the 8th graders and the 7th graders and the 6th graders would play baseball. And here I was, a little 1st grader, and they'd pick up teams, and I would be the last one chosen uh, but they'd let me play. I kind of played the 10th position, sort of roaming around out in the outfield, picking up stray balls. But I felt so included because they let me play with the 8th graders. We long to belong. We long to belong. And the question often is, do we belong? Can we belong? It may be a question that some of us this morning even are asking when it comes to the idea of belonging to the people of God, can I belong? Can I be a part of God's vision for things? Is it possible for me to belong? Well, this story from the book of Acts is speaking to that very question in a very deep and profound way. The, the book of Acts, written by Luke, uh, who opens up the book by announcing that God's interest is not just for a few folks in Jerusalem. In fact, he announces that, that uh, his, God's interest is not just for Jerusalem or for Judea or for Samaria, but actually to the uttermost parts of the earth. And now, by the time we get to chapter 8 in this story, uh, he's beginning to share with his readers just how vast and how broad God's commitment is to everybody. And we pick up with this story in chapter 8 about a particular figure from Ethiopia. Now, in the ancient world, the world in which this Bible text comes to us, Ethiopia was like saying, you're from the backside of El Paso, Texas. It, it was like saying, you are from Timbuktu. In fact, 
Uh, that's exactly what he was saying. From the farthermost reaches of the known world, here we are with a figure uh, from Ethiopia, from the farthest places of the earth. He is indicating to us something of how far and how far-reaching uh, God's interest in humankind is. That, that somebody, even from Ethiopia, might be on the radar screen of the Holy Spirit of God. It's an interesting thing to consider. But not only that, we're introduced to this figure who's not only just from Ethiopia, he's also a eunuch. A eunuch. Now, eunuchs were, in various different cultures of the ancient world, significant figures in various ways. But from a Jewish point of view, the eunuch was not uh, as highly regarded. In fact, if you read through the old Bible, you'll find out that if, if a person is a eunuch, then they're excluded from the worship and life of the people of Israel. They are not to be a part of things. They're not allowed to worship at the temple courts. They are excluded in various and sorted sorts of ways. In fact, it's sort of strange that this fellow who's an Ethiopian eunuch who's traveled from the farthest reaches of the, of the world to go all the way to Jerusalem and now he's coming back. I'm wondering what, what happened to him in Jerusalem. He didn't get to go into the temple courts. He wasn't allowed to do that. I wonder how satisfying his whole experience of going to worship, to go on this great pilgrimage and yet be denied at the, at the, at the very gate of being able to do the thing you're wanting to do. Sort of a sad thing, actually, thinking about this Ethiopian eunuch. He's wealthy, he's powerful, but he's excluded. He's wealthy, he's powerful, he's got a, he's got a manuscript of the book of Isaiah He's traveling in an ancient SUV known as a chariot, right? He's got lots of things going for him, but he's not allowed to be a part of the group. He's not, he doesn't belong. He doesn't. And on his way home, he's traveling in this chariot, looking at this expensive, rare thing that an individual would, could possibly own, a manuscript of the book of Isaiah, and I'm so grateful that we got to hear from Isaiah 56 this morning because I, I wonder if, if he had read some of Isaiah 56 and wondering, how in the world do I get to be included? How is it possible that I could be a part of what God is doing in the world? Could, could I be a part of all this? You know, it's, it's interesting that he would, might have read that this text that we heard a moment ago, do not let the foreigner join to the Lord say that the Lord will surely separate me from my people, from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. Sort of a, a cryptic way of saying, uh, don't let the eunuch say that I have no sons or daughters, that there's no lineage, no future, no heritage that I participate in. No, I'm wondering if this eunuch is wrestling with the very same thing we wrestle with. This notion that the word is that we're included, but I'm not sure I am. The, 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 the sense that, that God loves everybody, but does that mean me too? 
I think that's what the eunuch is wrestling with as he bounces along on that old desert road and Philip shows up. At this point, uh, the eunuch is reading from Isaiah 53 about this strange person that's being spoken about. We don't know, is it the prophet? Is it somebody else? He asks that this person who takes on the suffering of others for the sake of the call of obedience in his life. Is that, is that, who, is that who, who, who is he talking about? And then Philip shows up. Do you understand who you're reading? No, come guide me. And Philip gets up into that chariot and sets alongside him. And they begin to read that text. And Philip begins to talk to him about Jesus, the good news about Jesus. I don't know what all Philip said to him on that day. We don't have record of that. What I do know is that somehow or another, this man's hopes, this Ethiopian eunuch's hopes came to fruition This longing, this nagging longing of desiring to belong to the people of God uh, found fruition in the preaching about Jesus. I'm reminded of the story told about Helen Keller. Do you remember this historic figure who could neither see nor hear? When finally it was explained to her, not unlike the Ethiopian eunuch having to learn about Jesus, when Helen Keller finally learned about Jesus, she said, Ah, I knew that there had to be someone like that. That when this Ethiopian eunuch heard that the word, that this word of God, that, that everyone belongs because of Jesus Christ, what, what Brian said to us a few moments ago at the table, that all are welcome to participate. No one is excluded. Not Ethiopians, people from Timbuktu, not eunuchs, not anyone is excluded from the vision of God. That it was perfectly natural for this Ethiopian to stop. And this is so strange. Why is there water on a desert road? There's all kinds of things here at work in this story that are just remarkable to me. But there was water there when he said, what is to prevent me from being baptized? What hinders me? And that, folks, is particularly poignant because Luke is actually doing something in this whole book, this whole book of Acts, with this notion of God's inclusion, of God's work, of the Spirit's action to bring about good ends all through the book of Acts, this little word uh, that we read, prevent or hinder, shows up repeatedly all throughout the book of Acts. It's sort of the trigger word for, for Luke to say, there ain't nothing going to hinder the work of God. What hinders me here? In just another chapter, uh, Peter's going to say it again with the story of Cornelius. Remember Cornelius' story? And the Spirit of God falls upon Cornelius, another outsider, and, uh, and uh, upon his household, and he says, what should hinder us from baptizing these people? Or another chapter later, when Peter's reporting about all this, back in Jerusalem, he says, what should, why should we hinder the work of God? 
Or, you know, the real kicker is the very end of the book of Acts. At the very end of the book of Acts, you ever wonder about the end of the book of Acts? It sort of ends strangely. Paul is there, and there's just this little editorial note that says that Paul is preaching and teaching. He's preaching and teaching the word of God boldly and is unhindered. What's going on? Luke is trying to say with the use of this word throughout the whole book that God's actions to include all humankind in the scheme and work of God is going forward steadily, 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 and there is nothing that can hinder the work of God in bringing all people to himself. Even Ethiopian eunuchs. Even whatever your story is, there is nothing that hinders the work of God as he reaches toward you. Maybe the better question is, what hinders you from responding to the work of God in your life? That's what I would say to some of us this morning. Maybe to the rest of us, it's another kind of question. It's the kind of question that says, if we are the people of God, if we're bearers of the Christ, then what, in what way might we, if we reflect honestly and earnestly about our life, is there ways in which we may be providing hindrance to others? In what way might we be actually creating a barrier by the way in which we act in our behaviors our actions, our doings. One way or the other, it seems clear to me that God is very intent in bringing all persons to himself. And that means that for some of us, we need to hear that message and come and embrace God's love. And for some of us this morning, perhaps it's a time for us to reflect in what way are we bearing the message of Jesus to others in ways that God's voice and God's invitation can be heard. What is it for you this morning? I invite you to reflect on that. Jake, would you now lead us in a time of singing? Let's stand together.